Welcome to the Happy in the Mess podcast. We are your hosts, Marlena, Sherry, and Matthew. We are therapists and coaches, and we want to share our own stories with you, as well as the wisdom, insights, and tips we've learned along the way. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Hello, and welcome back to the show. We're so excited you're here. Just as a reminder, this is Happy in the Mess with Sherry and Matthew, and please like, share, subscribe, rate, review, comment. It helps the algorithm and us. And then we can also produce more content like it if you are enjoying this. Today, we're talking about something that's really common to all humans. We all have this voice that tells us that we are defective or not good enough. And it usually sounds something like, what's wrong with me? And I just want to normalize that. But today, we're going to dig deep into this. You know, why does this happen? How do we know it's affecting us? You know, how can we interrupt it? So but first, um, tell us, what you all are up to. Uh, Sherry, where can people find you? What are you doing right now? Well, the best place to find me is in my Facebook group. It's called Date Night Community, and it's for couples who are stuck in roommate syndrome and want to really reconnect and reignite their relationship. It's so common, folks. I highly recommend you you follow Sherry and all of her socials to help with this, if this is you. Matthew, where can people find you and what are you up to? I am at MatthewEMorgan.com or The Misfit Refuge, and we uh, are working with people who are neurodivergent, particularly people of faith who are struggling with some of those issues as well, so uh, provide coaching and uh, support for that. And I highly recommend you follow Matthew on all of his socials. He is very knowledgeable. I just want to remind everybody here that we are also therapists and so have a lot of clinical background and knowledge. So Matthew's work in neurodivergence is very, is rooted in evidence-based practices. So please go ahead and follow him. And I am Coach Marlena. You can find me at coachmarlena.com. I work with singles, helping them level up their love life, among other things, using a neuroscientific approach. So anyway, glad you're here. Let's get to this topic, which is so fascinated and sometimes we don't even know that voice is so subtle that it tells us that there's something wrong with me or wrong with us so or sometimes it's what's wrong with you (laughs) sometimes it goes the other way but um this judgmental voice so can you explain like you know how does this voice show up maybe even for yourself even though i know you've all done a lot of self-work and self-improvement but how might this voice show up in your own lives uh you know this voice is pretty loud in my head and it shows up very, sometimes it's really loud and sometimes it's really quiet and subtle in the back of my head, but it's as though my brain needs to go through life evaluating and understanding. And with that understanding comes who's at, whose fault is this? Is this my fault? Mm -hmm all right, I need to change something. Is this your fault? Okay, then I need to decide how to deal with this. But it's it's as if I need to go through and assign blame at, at every moment. So mm-hmm. it's definitely something that's not particularly helpful for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the more I'm aware of it, the more I try to curb and control and and distract so that I'm not constantly in that mode. Mm, thank you for being so vulnerable, Sherry. Matthew, what about you? I think for me, it's the comparison trap. Um, and if I go back to statistics, which was my absolutely, uh, as far as my favorite classes in college go, that was somewhere right around the bottom uh, to somewhere in the <laughs> negative to I never want to do this again. 
Um, but but in stats, you know, you, you've you've got the the average and you've got a standard deviation where everybody's just, you know, within this pretty decent framework of what the middle might be. Um, and particularly working with neurodivergent people, we don't fall in that middle um, in, in whatever fashion. And sometimes it's the way we think, the way we process information, our creativity, um, our sensory uh, inputs and outputs a lot of times can all be off. Um, and it, if we are not careful, it creates this voice because we're comparing and it creates this voice that says, oh, I'm not like everybody else. So something is wrong with me mm. versus I'm different. I'm an outlier. It's not wrong. It's different. Um, and I think that right there is that subtle shift in there, um, that we have to be really, really careful of. Um, so we've got to kind of stay locked in and know what's going on in us. And, and again, what are we comparing ourselves with? This is really fascinating. I just want to recap really quick what I've heard because Sherry, you identified that the what's wrong with me often comes out of maybe circumstances where your expectations aren't being met or something's not going the way you want it to. So then you're quick to start figuring out, well, what's to blame for this or who's to blame for this? And Matthew, in, in differently though, you notice that the what's wrong with me in the neurodivergent community will show up when people start comparing themselves to others and really recognizing they're not quote unquote, the norm. They're not falling within the standard deviation normal. And those are different things, but it's the same voice. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I love that you both highlighted in different ways that what's wrong with me can show up. Um, Either because, yeah, um, any other comments on that? I think those were really great examples. I think exactly what you're saying here is this is, uh, I I know somebody who's very big into mindfulness and I would lob that back to her, Marlena. (laughs) Uh, But I think this is where some of that comes in, not not in the sense of like, again, being quiet, but, but even just taking that moment to listen and see what's coming up. You know, and because mm-hmm. I think absolutely right. We both have valid points, but it's like, how is this showing up for me? Um, mm-hmm. Because once you start asking that question, what is that voice? Then we start addressing it better. Yeah. Well, you know, I think singles have this too. When society says that they should have had, again, 2.5 children by now and a house and all these things. And then they realize that they're not falling within the norm or what what's perceived, which I think the norm is shifting tremendously in general. But there is this tendency to like, I, in both of these, I hear this tendency to self-blame. And, and so I want to come, I want to come back to this point. How do we start? First of all, what is the impact on us, our well-being, our relationships, our career, when we engage in this kind of self-blame? Yeah, I work, obviously I work with a lot of couples and usually there is at least one partner who is all about fixing. They want to problem solve. They want to fix. And I think this question is at the heart of that. Is this my fault? How do I fix it? Is this your fault? How do you fix it? And uh, I think I think everyone's pretty much aware at this point that if you take a fix it attitude with a, someone in a close relationship, that it's really going to hurt that relationship. And yet we all do it. Um, sometimes I assign a fun um, a fun homework assignment, which is to not give any advice or not give any solutions to someone, to anyone for 24 hours. Um, mm. And it's really, really hard to do. 
And at that core is, if I can't fix this, there's something wrong with me. I need to fix this so that I'm doing what I, my part, I need to be meeting this level. I need to contribute my part to this. So mm-hmm. I see that show up a lot in relationships. So it's harmful to both partners when someone's coming with that fix it thing, because it sounds like there may not, that, that may not be the way to a solution. Yes. It's also really endemic. Like, I don't know if it's a built-in mechanism in us to do this problem solving or if it's cultural or if it's personality, but really even, I just don't meet many people who don't struggle with, you know, I need to fix this. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Yeah. Matthew? I And I think I was listening to you, Sharon, I, I kind of processing all of this if you if you boil it down and put this you know there's two voices in somebody's head uh, not in a, a pathological sense necessarily but i think internally we have this idea of you know if there's something wrong with me i need to fix it um so i think that can be one one aspect we're like oh i need to do this i i have to i should and when we start hearing those comments that's us trying to fix ourselves you know because we're trying to hold to a standard that may not be ours you know i should go out and, you know, spend 20 hours at a big conference and, you know, spend lots of time with people. But there's also a part of me that says, I can't do that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so what, what's wrong with me? Why can I not? Rather than just accepting that that's what that is. So I think we try to fix ourselves and it can create this, this shame spiral um, in there mm-hmm. or vice versa. We just disconnect completely. Um, and when we go into that idea of what's wrong with me now, we start into our maybe not so healthy, not so helpful coping methods, um, you know, whether it's alcohol or video gaming or, or just disconnection, um, because mm-hmm. that thought of being connected in if something's wrong is too painful. And that's a really good point, Matthew, that it can be it end up being very destructive because it does create shame. And shame is really not a productive emotion in that sense, because you start to evaluate yourself your very core being is wrong. And there's no way if that is in case, in fact, true, which it's not would create, there is no solution to that. I mean, truly. So not only is it like a lie that our brain tells ourselves, but it's extremely harmful. Yes, even absolutely. It is extremely harmful just in the question of what's wrong with me versus what could I have done better or what could I handle better? But every single time we say what's wrong with me, it causes a cortisol dump in our body. And cortisol is related to stress. Um, it, it, our body goes into fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. We have all these repercussions like weight gain is highly correlated with high cortisol levels sleep gets disrupted by it. So, you know, as, as we think about just this one thought, it actually has these very far reaching um, effects on, on us personally, and then also on our relationships. Well, that's a really good point that affects health because it will do a cortisol dump, like you said, and a heart attack and cardio issues and all kinds of things come into play there. I would also say like, it makes the body sort of weak when you start feeling this way. And when you're in your head about what's wrong with me, you're not paying attention to the person in front of you. And that disconnection that Matthew was talking about really starts to show up. And then the relationship suffers 
even if you're not trying to fix anything in the relationship, I notice that when people are in their head, I do a lot of like um, helping people kind of learn how to socialize. Um, people like to be paid attention to, but when you're in your head worrying about how you're coming across or what's wrong with you, you lose that dynamic, you lose that flow, you lose that, um, well, you lose the connection. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is, a, it's, it's subtle. It may not seem like, cause it's not out loud. We're not usually, sometimes we are saying this stuff out loud, but it's usually just happening in this internal process on a loop, which, uh, which often also, where does it come from? We all have it. So is there a pattern or a theme about where this stuff comes from? I will lean on our, our good friend that we've never met. Um, Richard Sports, you know, from, from IFS, I was, I was listening to one of his teachings and literally it's, it's sitting on a post-it on my monitor is how profound this was. Um, but one of the things he said is that shame, shame will often take on the voice of our parents. Um, and we have, we have this inner critic who the inner critic wants to keep us from shame. It was, and that's why that what's wrong with me thought, um, and, and shame is inherently, it's not a bad emotion. Uh, because it keeps us in the in the herd, um, you know. Shame mm-hmm. is like we don't want to, we we don't want to be, you know. If you're the the weird wildebeest that's out prancing through the wilderness, it's maybe not the great <laughs> place to be, right? Because there there's lions, um, you know. And so shame is kind of like, oh, I need to be at least closer to the herd, even if I'm not in that midst of things. So that inner critic kind of keeps us there, but it also, I think, it can break, um, particularly if we have a, a critical parent. Um, or, or caregiver or somebody who has spoken to our life who has not affirmed that we are, in fact, okay. Um, and and uh, Mr. Dr. Schwartz says, you know, critics, uh, the, the critic often takes on the voice of our shaming parent. Um, mm. So if we can rewrite that voice or address that and realize that, hey, the way I was raised or where this voice is, maybe it's not correct. You know, there's not something mm. wrong with me. Um, but you've got to have a, like a really, really powerful counter voice because that one is it, like Marlene, you said it, it's subtle and it runs through us because however we were raised is that's normal for us. And I would add to that to say, it's sometimes it's not even the parents that shaming towards the kids. If they're just shaming towards themselves, it can, mm-hmm. you know, children can model that sort of same self-talk as well as, you know, in cases where the parent is actually shaming the kid or mm-hmm somehow not affirming that they're okay. Yeah. I'm going to take a slightly different opinion because I don't think that there is anything good about shame. I think that shame tears us down, keeps us rooted in the same spot, and it's all about looking backwards. Mm -hmm. And that guilt is a much healthier approach. And guilt is... um, what is that term that we've, I've been hearing? It's blameless assessment where you can step outside yourself, take a look and, and figure out if there's something you need to do different, not because you're broken, not because there's something wrong with you, but because there's a growth opportunity or you want to, you want to get better at something over time, or you don't want to repeat the same cycles over and over again. And I think shame really keeps us rooted in those cycles that we that that really are self-destructive and destructive to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the the I, 
the as you're talking, I'm formulating this sentence in my mind because our our whole crux of our episode today is what essentially what's wrong with me, right? But if we change the ending of that sentence, what's wrong with what I'm doing? Mm. That that moves us into what Sherry's kind of talking about with guilt, right? Like, oh, like I can change this, I can adapt it, I can, you know, adjust a lot of times that shame when that shame goes into the side the side of what's wrong with who i am that's when we run that risk of not being productive i think and circling the giant toilet bowl of emotions you know even shifting to what happened here what happened here yeah. mm-hmm. what happened here is then about relationship like this happened and then that happened and then that happened and then that happened and it's not cherry picking one piece out of it and saying this is the crux of the whole thing like I could have changed something but they also could have changed something that would have put us in a different situation so what I hear in this is the detachment of not assessing negatively about oneself but rather maybe an action or inaction or rather looking at the circumstance as a whole rather than assigning blame to self with a broad like painting with a broad stroke oh because I did this I'm just an angry person I hear this a lot general generalities well I'm just an anxious person I'm like no you have anxious feelings as mm-hmm. we all do that does not qualify you as an anxious person <laughs> yeah um there is a a tendency to do that because it's easy to speak in those general generalities even if they are extremely harmful uh yeah I I agree that I don't think shame is particularly productive and um Brene Brown often talks about this as being the thing that keeps us from others and um, like, although yeah, I, I agree too with what you said, I mean, both are true in a sense, like if we didn't have any shame over anything, we might all just be really wild and rebellious and do all kinds of things that were unethical and not moral, you know, like, so there is some sense of, you know, <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying though, too, Sherry, that you're like, no, no, that's not it. <laughs> no. I think that we can still be good and moral people who don't break societal codes based on guilt Mm -hmm. rather than on shame. You don't have to make someone feel like they're nothing in order to get them to think that it's a good thing to do. Amen. No, you're absolutely right. So, so normalizing though, that we all have this voice and it is um, for for a variety of reasons, the moving target with this, it could be, I mean, I one time heard, I'll never forget this, someone who used to tell me that they would criticize themselves if they just happened to spill their coffee. What's wrong with me? You know, and it can be that. And it's like, sometimes we're clumsy. Like, you know, there's no grace in that. But I, it struck me because I realized how, again, subtle and insidious this, this can be. I mean, it can be just for simple mistakes. Like I accidentally stubbed my toe. And now I'm like berating myself for that action for an accident. We wouldn't berate a child for stubbing their toe or accidentally spilling their milk. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't generalize to that. You know, I, I've been thinking about fight, flight, freeze, or fawn, and how important it is that we've added fawn to that response. Um, fawn is when you try to appease other people, and you really go into this this mode of, what do I need to do to make this this situation okay? And I do think that part of this voice comes from being a child who has no control over things and having adults around who are like, why did you do that? What's wrong with you? That isn't okay. Yeah. And just kind of that normal 
normal, I'll put that in quotes, um, parental style of trying to guide your child into thinking about things and, and getting better and maybe not spilling that milk because you didn't put it on the edge of the table. Okay, so then you've got children who are watching and who are trying to guess what that right thing is. And maybe they don't have the maturity to, or maybe they forgot or all the things that happen with kids. And so I think that like we are taught to read that from other people. And that's where that, what that, what's wrong with me. Like that, that's a huge component of what's wrong with me is all these messages that we get from other people that we've somehow screwed up. And without mm-hmm. that being in a bigger context, that's you screwed up. That isn't, we had an accident and the milk spilled. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I have to laugh. We literally just went through that in our household where my son spilled his drink at dinner time, you know, and uh, I, I know him and he's, he's got this little extra anxious voice in him. Um, so when he, he asked for a refill, my wife is like, yes, but you need a, a cup with a lid. And I was like, ah, oh, Bob's got to have a, you know, a, a sippy cup and just laying it on just to kind of tease him a little bit. I was like, man, it's going to come back to bite me. And I mean, it was not three minutes later and I was making my coffee and dumped it off the, the, the edge of the <laughs> counter. <laughs> karma <laughs> so it was i mean beautiful karma moment but it gave us that opportunity just to address it and and so i did the same thing like i you know i was like all right i gotta have a sippy cup too now you know um you know and i think that's sometimes if we can elevate you know or, or even shine that light on that that little voice of shame and just bring it out to the light laugh at it have fun with it model it because um, i think it does come down to us a lot of times you know especially providing some of that shelter for other, for others, whether it's kids, friends, you know, those relationships, um, we can model what that looks like to, to minimize that. You know, mm-hmm. So that, you know, and I, I was, yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's great. great. And I was listening to um, a really interesting show on Nova around how, how much are we really in control of our brain and our thinking. A lot of us like to think that we have complete mind control and we do not. And neuroscience is now proving it. What we've always known is that sometimes we do and say things that we have no, that we wouldn't do really, or we don't want to do. And it, it just happens. Um, and it doesn't just happen. They, they have this whole explanation for why this, the neurons and what happens. And, but we're not fully in control either. And there was some relief in hearing that, that science is now proving that like we're not fully <laughs> in control. And, um, but this, you know, this is why I'm such a fan of mindfulness is because it get, begins to give enough pause to start to exert some control over my own thinking so that I'm not berating myself or others, that I have uh, enough distance to even start recognizing the judgment voice that shows up and choose to redirect the thinking. But I'm curious, you know, what are some interventions people can do to stop interrupting, start interrupting that voice? I heard something recently that 80% of our day is habits. And that means that it is rooted in our past behavior. Um, So I think that was really helpful for me in thinking about this. Um, Well, one of the main things that you can do is counter that voice. And that is either catching it when you hear it and saying some kinder things 
or even holding it up to the facts and saying, but is that true? Am I a screw up because I spilled my coffee? Well, probably not. That's probably not a reflection of who I am. Um, but, the, <laughs> but the other is to intentionally implant those ideas. And that's where affirmations come in or having a script of positive things that you say that get you to even entertain these more positive ways of thinking about things. Mm. Not to jump on your coffee or anything. <laughs> I, I joke around that everything I have has to be coffee colored. Like I don't own white for that reason. So <laughs> it, it is who I am and I'm okay with it. Um, I, I think for me, one of the things is, um, and I do this exercise sometimes with clients where I'll talk about like what soundtrack is playing when we have these feelings. Um, because for those that watch movies, uh, um, we were uh, we were playing our D&D campaign and went into this clearing area and all of a sudden the big ominous boss music came up, right? All of our anxieties up like, oh, we're gonna, you know, here's this big fight and we're gearing up for it. Um, and our, 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 our DM, he's like, oh, he goes, oh wait, that's the wrong music. And he switches and he puts on this peaceful, serene walking through the forest. And I was like, oh, okay, we're all right. And, and it was funny because just the music, nothing changed. The scenery didn't change. Who we are didn't change. The music changed and our bodies changed with the feelings to it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think sometimes when we're paying attention to when these, when these thoughts of what's wrong with me come up, right? What does it sound like? Is it ominous, booming, threatening music? Because then we feel small and we feel like, oh, like this is a threat um versus uh, we we're joking about the coffee cup and you know if we can put it into this point where we can laugh about it or have fun or you know play the keystone cop theme for those of a certain generation or you know um hamster dance whatever it is like oh here's my anxiety again you know thinking what's wrong with me um it doesn't absorb in the same way so a lot of times just mm -hmm. changing the soundtrack or, or altering the sound of the voice it can be the same statement but you put it in a different voice and all of a sudden, oh, you know, Darth, Darth Vader would not sound threatening with Mickey Mouse's voice. You know? So it's like we have to, if we can switch that, we can change how it reacts in us. I was thinking of Donald Duck in my head. You know, yeah. if I change that voice to Donald Duck, that would really mm -hmm. shift things. Yeah. It and would make Donald, it playful. But it's great because Donald Duck, is, I mean, he's an angry duck. He's just, he's constantly flying off the handles. He berates his nephews, you know. But we don't look at him and say, oh, this is a big threat. It's it's funny and we can laugh at it. And yeah, when our inner Donald shows up, well, oh, here he is. Yep. I love the saying in um, uh, one of my 12-step programs, they'll say, they'll, they'll say, remember rule 62, which is a ridiculous in of itself. You know, don't take yourself so seriously. You know, like it, you know, lighten up essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and easier said than done. But most things are not that serious. And when they are, that's a good time for an assessment, but not to, again, paint with a broad stroke and assume that you're a terrible person or what have you. But doing some inventory work, like reflection, can be helpful on action, not on my character, per se. All right. So I'll just respond to this. I'm listening to you talk about not taking yourself too light, too seriously. And I think we've talked about before that fun and rest do not come easy to me. So what was my first thought? man, what's wrong with me? I can't do fun. <laughs> <I can't> do. <laughs> you know, 
not taking myself too seriously. And so I think that just shifts, like that just sneaks in to so mm -hmm. many situations where we do expect ourselves to be, you know, good enough at everything. And that's mm -hmm. not really who we are. Each of us have our strengths, each of us have our weaknesses and you know, that's okay. That's like good. Mm -hmm. That's what makes us us. Absolutely, Sherry. And I love that you were able to catch it right in the moment. And I feel like that being able to catch it is, is key. Like awareness isn't everything, but awareness does help do the action thing. And uh, without that, I mean, there's nothing. If I'm not even aware of the voice, then how can I get help myself turn down this volume? But I will also wanted to say that um, you all have been so helpful on this topic and normalizing it and showing in all the different ways it can show up, even in the show, which is totally amazing. Um, I just so appreciate that. And I was curious, do you all have any burning thoughts or, or comments on this as we begin to wind down? For me, I think the starting point, it, it's questioning where the starting point is, right? Because the point at which we leap is going to affect the point at which we land. Um, and if we want to start with that sense of what's wrong with me, right? giving ourselves that counterbalance, but what's right with me? Mm. What's good? Um, with my anxiety clients, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll give them permission. I'm like, go ahead and freak out for one minute, two minutes, right? Just let yourself go. But conversely, give yourself that exact same amount of time to think about what's going well and what's right. Um, because a lot of times that's harder to do, but it provides that balance, you know? And, and if we, if, if we're feeling that question of what's wrong with me, intentionally question but what's going well mm -hmm. you know or what if i am right what if what if i'm right and the rest of the world is just in a weird spot going back to that standard deviation right like i'm still on the curve i'm still okay it's i'm just a little off the beaten path doing my own fabulous wildebeestness <laughs> out in the woods you know yeah all right listen to me there is nothing wrong with you you are a good person with lots of different characteristics. You are made up of so many different things and they're not supposed to be the same as anyone else's. You have inherent value for being a person. And that is, that is beautiful and wonderful and there is nothing wrong with you. Mm. I love that, Sherry. That's so deep and spiritual and it reminds me of that passage of you're intricately and wonderfully made and, mm. you know, um, and I love that. You're so right. The world is more beautiful because we are different. And uh, and I, I'm, I wanted to end too, just, you know, coaching and counseling obviously help kind of turn down the volume of that voice. A really good therapist and coach will help you start to notice when that voice shows up and do things to intervene. So plug in for, you know, check out Sharon Matthew on their socials, visit my website socials as well. Like we're here to help. Even our social media may address some of these issues. Um, but I also wanted to say, what might be some benefits that you might notice when you do turn down the volume of this voice? Yeah, as you ask that question, for those who can't see, um, all three of us, there was like this relaxing and this smile that came over like this I'm okay and everything is okay and it doesn't have to be perfect for everything to be fine and I think even just that that little shift 
that was so clear in the video. And I felt it very strongly in myself where it's like, ah, okay, right. Everything's not screwed up. I'm not messing things up. It's okay. So there's this relaxing Mm -hmm. and this, this happiness or joy that comes from knowing that you're okay. Yeah. I love that. For me, it started when you said that, when you said you're a little bit there, Sherry, of, you know, there's nothing wrong with us. Like, oh, like I need that voice. I need that, that comfort because the, the benefit is that, you know, if there's a chance that I'm okay, right, then now all of a sudden those things that are weird or don't fit in actually have a purpose um, with my ADHD ears. And, and I shared this before, but I always share that we have a superpower um, but it's a lot like Jack-Jack and the Incredibles too, where it's just firing at random times. But when you start with that assumption, like, hey, this is all okay. I just need find my Edna, get a good super suit made and just embrace the the beauty that comes with who I am. You know, then you make a difference in your world that way. All right, I have one more. I know we're at the end here, but I just want to throw this in. It's a Tolkien ending. I have this <laughs> exercise that I do with couples where I either have them physically or kind of imaginatively stand back to back. And I have them describe the room in front of them. And very often, two sides of a room look very, very different. And by describing that, reminding them that what they see is true. They're describing what they can see. And that they don't need to argue about whether I can see a window and you see a door. Like there's no argument there. That difference helps them see a much broader view of the whole world. And it's not wrong and it's not to be argued with. It's to be celebrated and it's to help you see more than you can see alone. So a lot of times this what is wrong with me is connected with you see something different than I do. So what's wrong with me that I can't see the door that you can see? And what's wrong with you that you can see a door and I can see a window? And, you know, like, it, it, it almost sounds ludicrous, but it's such a powerful reminder that we're supposed to see different things. We're supposed to be different. That's a strength of humanity. Mm, well said. Great analogy. Absolutely. That's a great way to end the show. Yeah, I love it. Love it. What a great episode, everybody. Please, again, like, share, subscribe, rate, review, comment. If you like this content, let us know so we can produce more of it. And we will see you next week. 